You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I tell people all the time, you know, it's hard for me to watch that catch on that picture on TV. So hang on. <laughs> Um, oh, Calcaterra catch? Yeah. Calcaterra. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> News team! Assemble! It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 here on SuperScoop.com podcast. Appreciate you guys being a part of it uh, each and every week. And uh, we welcome you to another edition. This one a little bit different because uh, we wanted to have uh, the full crew here. We tried to have the full crew here, but make some changes around the offices. Got some internet issues. I've banned Josh. Uh, Bob now proclaiming that it's not technology, get a, get a but kid he is banned. Start banning Josh. people. If you weren't there, you can't talk about it. Uh, so I guess yeah. I mean, Josh has been banned since he wasn't uh, in Dallas with us. I guess is that the is that the uh, reasoning? Yes, Bob. Yes. Let's go with that. Plus, Bob hasn't had much sleep, so he doesn't really know what he's doing right <laughs> I now. I would say though that because Josh wasn't at the Big Twelve Meteor Days, I think he got the better end of it. Yeah. God, I hate Jerry World so much. It's I mean, not. It's not about like Jerry World. It's not even about like bitching about having to work. It's so just meaningless. The whole thing. It's always been having this it, way, though. I know. It's, it's not I know. any different than it's it's ever been. I mean, I've, no, I've it's, done, it's not. But it, it just what, it's eighteen so of un, these things. It's now. unneeded nowadays. Yeah, is what I feel. like. I don't think so. It's, I think you have to go through I it. Think it's like you are. Day. You are being young. Uh, I don't know, angry man who is only focusing on the clickbaiters, the master clickbaiters that are there to try and get their headlines. And That's all, all this, they're there for. All this sea of, of uh, hacks that have always surrounded this event. No, yeah, they have. You got to wade through them all to yeah, finally I mean, get to your stuff. Yeah, I mean, but there are some stuff. people that are writing some good stuff coming out of this thing. I mean, there's some people asking some good questions. It's it's a... I mean, but you, but you, know, you have to wade through a bunch of bullshit... <laughs> And people that are there doing their me, me, me thing or that just don't know how to act or interrupt people in the middle of their questions or answers yeah. because they never show up to anything except Big 12 Media Days once a year. Bringing their wives to the event. And Facebook Live and all that horse shit. What is that? It's, it's strange. Hacks. It's There's a, hacks all over the place and that and they are intolerable, but that doesn't mean that the whole thing is worthless. It's the first step into There's college football season. There's my soapbox already. It's the first step into college football season that you have to go through. And I guess it, it, it's it's kind of like the last day of school or the first day of school as far as syllabus go in college. Like you have to go through it and you have to be there because it is on the, you can at least see the end of the tunnel uh, and the tunnel being... Uh, the depths of hell being summer, <laughs> as 
we get ready for the I mean, the look, okay, here's an example of the ass hattery uh, that, which I'm, look, I'm on record. I've said this. I think the Big 12 Media Days needs a certain level of ass hattery. It needs, sure. It needs some stupidity. No, it does. The SEC has the fans uh, that like, show up. Just like the Super Bowl Media Day, it's all, you know, like last year it no, was funny because. You know, the barstool guys got thrown out. And I mean, yeah. it needs so that adds. Well, can to I get the, thrown out next year? <laughs> not if you're working for us. Yeah, what if put, uh, what if I show up and just punch Mac Engle in the face? You just need a fake, fake credential. Actually, I would OK a Mac Engle uh, skirt. I'll fight, whatever I'll you fight call him it. in a uh, cage match any day of the week. Uh, Mac Engle, every time I go to Dallas and, and have something to do with Big 12, Mac Engle is always there and he always writes something stupid. Yeah, he, he succeeded with, in doing that. It started with Baker Mayfield will ruin whatever NFL team drafts him this at was, the first Big 12 championship game. Yeah, they destroy the Frogs, and his column is after Baker Mayfield is going to be a big-time bust. <laughs> it made no sense. Do you see what this year's was? Uh, you sent it to us, so yeah, I did sl- see. Slow down on the Lincoln Riley's genius talk, which I'm not saying is like no completely one's stupid. I don't think I mean, it's stupid. Like he he has had obviously two historically good quarterbacks, but to say He's also that been he didn't responsible have a, for developing them, right? Yeah. To say like he didn't have a part of it, and to say that I don't even know what the point of this article was this year. He's just such a douchebag. Yeah, I didn't read it. it. Like I it just gets under it. my skin that somebody could possibly think like he does. And then to know he's that an irritant. he's I mean, no, yeah, that's, I know. He's an old school irritant. Oh, he got what he got. What he wanted. I tweeted out the link for him. I mean, he. Li- I mean, literally, he used me of, as a pawn. He literally thinks of the dumbest logical thing that you could write about and writes about it. It was like it, Bob Stoops. I went to we went to his XFL thing. Oh yeah, and Matt Gingle yep. asked Bob Stoops, uh, "When is the other shoe gonna drop?" Like Bob was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" When you go on probation for everything that yes. you did. I mean, that's what Matt Gingle does. Yeah. That's true. That's, That's the true. only reason. And we're talking about him. I like, know. Are we talking oh, about won. really good journalists like Chuck Carlton and the work that they do? No. I know. Unfortunately. He won. He won. See, you're letting these asshats win. That You're saying that they should they should shut down the Big 12 over this up, but all you're doing is talking about the asshats. Because people have to know how stupid some of these people are. <laughs> I think that's part of the deal. I know we'll get into plenty of Big 12 Media Day stuff, but I know that... Uh, you just finished up the speaking of Bob Stoops. You just finished up his uh, autobiography, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I pretty did. good. Uh, no excuses. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little write up on it. Uh, it was very good. I mean, it was Gene Wojciechowski wrote I, it, right? Gene Wojciechowski wrote it. It's written in Bob's own words. Uh, there's a lot of quotes from you know different people throughout the book. There's a ton of Jason White quotes in that book, which kind of surprised me because. Jason's a pretty private guy, but yeah. obviously uh, with this book about Bob Soups, he was willing to share. I would imagine Gene Wojciechowski spent a lot of time with Jason White building up some of these quotes. Um, Do you think we often just, like forget like how good Jason White was and like what could have been type thing? I, I know that everybody it, always brings the up. The guy won a Heisman Trophy. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, no, no. I'm saying without two That's, knees, he won a Heisman Trophy. Which tells you everything. Like, I think that, I just said like about 10 times. Uh, I, it just shows you, though. Try dealt. It just shows you, though. I'm sure I was getting as much ass as they did. Um, are they still I don't know. pretty high up on the food chain? Oh, no. There's documented racism in that house. So I, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to be that. 
Uh, well, that's one at the SAE thing. Was yeah, something that was talked oh, about in the in book. the in the yeah. book. That was a that was a interesting period of Oklahoma football. Just as far as um, I mean, they were kind of losing it at the time, weren't they? I mean, as a, as a whole, the program. Oh, I was, mean, that yeah. was that was like a downturn. That's coming right that off. Was the coming 14. off the eight and four year, eight five, whatever yeah. it was. Um, the firing of Josh Heupel, Lincoln Riley, just getting there. And like that was the cool thing about the book is Bob takes you through everything. And I texted him after I read like three chapters. I'm like, Bob, this is really good. Like, this is amazing. Like, yeah, there's all. I, and what I told him was, I said, look, we, I know all this stuff about you, but you're filling in all the gaps that I didn't know. And he said, exactly. That's why I was so, uh, what did he say? I was so uh, not reticent is isn't the word he used, uh, but he he didn't want, he was, he was kind of afraid to open up that way, like it was it was hard for him to do. Yeah, I think in the, in the book at, at one point he, he says he doesn't know if he's an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert, uh, but and he talks about that. He said uh, you know that it was ba- he names the year. I think it might have been after the Insight Bowl or whatever, where he decided, look, he was gonna, he wasn't gonna fight being the public figure. I said, uh, he said, that's why I was very reluctant to do it with an exclamation mark because he was filling in all the gaps and things. And the thing that's really cool is it starts out because you heard the stories about him and you know, his dad watching game film on the projector that he'd project onto the TV, on, onto the refrigerator. Yeah, it's like something straight out of a movie when you think about like football families. Yeah, but he talks about the neighborhood where he grew up in. He's got the Ray Mancini stuff in there, the neighborhood kids, what they used to do, what it was like growing up in Youngstown. Uh, even goes through meeting his, you know, meeting Carol, meeting his wife. And it's really, it's, it's almost as much as it is about Bob Stoops. I think, you know, you've always kind of wondered, you've seen Carol around and you know, you know, I've got to kind of talk to her more after he's retired. And uh, she kind of explained, I remember talking to her one time and she said, I was a tomboy growing up. Like, I don't, like this stuff doesn't really phase me all that much, but it's kind of like a love letter to Carol Stoops in a lot of ways, because every big thing that happened in his life, she was kind of there to help push him, you know, forward. And so he goes really into his family life and he tells a lot of the stuff that you've heard him say before, but it's just the way he feels in the details with, you know, the meeting he had with Rhett Bomar, uh, the, the stuff he goes into the Joe Mixon thing, which you really, you know, I think with Bob Stoops and Joe Mixon, like you just felt like that never really had a, any kind of closure to it. And in the book, it, it kind of is that way, too. I mean, well, it always seemed like, you know, just from the outside looking in, it seemed like it was one of those things that. In a way, he was trying to change so much at that time because everything was changing around him as far as recruiting went. They started had finally kind of made that social media. I don't know if push is the right word, but there was some they were figuring it out. They were trying to figure it out in yeah. in their own way. Yeah. And then you finally get. And Joe he mentions Mixon. We, that. I mean, we drive from New Orleans to San Antonio to cover the Mixon thing because it was such a big deal. Yeah. And five months later, we wake up on a, I think it was a Saturday morning to the news that Joe I, Mixon I had knocked forgot. some lady out at a Pickleman's. I mean, I my God. I forgot Bob Stoops was at the ESPN car wash when that happened. That's what it, that's when it all came down. Yeah. So it was a Thursday night going into a Friday. Maybe. Yes. Yes. yes okay. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And what was it like a week and a half before the season started? 
I mean, it was right around this time of the year, it was wasn't like it? July twenty fourth ish. Yeah. Okay, so about a week. Yep, that's when Mixon's birthday. It was the twenty fifth when he heard about it. I think there had yeah. there had to have been something in the back of his mind too, just as far as you know the Mixon stuff, and you know I honestly think that's one of the reasons that kind of pushed him out of college was how the everything that unfolded after that he goes into great detail about you know when he made the decision how it came down uh who he told when he told um you know you know his when he told joe when he told president born he goes through the whole i mean he goes through the timeline of um you know when he played at Iowa, he talks about his career, which was really cool because he's not a guy that likes to talk about himself. So he never, like the whole time he was at Oklahoma, he I don't ever remember him other than when, you know, uh, they were going to play Iowa in the inside bowl and the picture that showed up with him, you know, jumping over a yeah. pile with playing Billy Sims when I, okay. Like that's as deep as he got with his playing career. But he really, in this book, talks very openly about who he was as a player, how he got recruited in high school, how you know Iowa was the only offer that he had that was a, a really good offer. Uh, and then the coaching staff got fired, you know, after he got there. And, and he talked about his dad, you know, what he said to him when he wanted to quit. And it's just, I will say this, here's the biggest thing I took out of that, that book. He got criticized so much for being too loyal. And because people felt like because of his loyalty, he couldn't make the right decisions and cut people loose when he had to, to move the program forward. And when you read the book and you get a sense for what Bob Stoops was as a kid, as a, a teenager, as a, a, a football player in college, and then into the coaching profession and just Youngstown and all that stuff, like, Bob Stoops would, if if he didn't value loyalty as much as he did, he never would have been at Oklahoma after they won the national championship. He would have gone back to Florida. But because of loyalty, it, the, he felt towards Joe Castiglione and David Bourne, he probably stayed at Oklahoma longer than he, you know, he should have. Yeah. Well, it's kind of... What? So it's a, it's a two-way street, like... Yes, he was he was too loyal to guys like Bruce Kittle, uh, and you know to to if he could go Jay back Novell and do it Josh all over Heibel, again, I'm sure that he would. He'd do it the same even, way. You think he would? He'd do it all the same, same way. Same thing with Kittle. I almost think that maybe that, Kittle that might be might have just been that, something that that would be. You know, he was roommates with Kittle right at Iowa too. Which, right. That was just a bad. Was, that was a bad. It was never going to work. It was yeah. never going to happen. But I mean, what I'm trying to say is, you got what you 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 gave what you got or you got what you gave with bob like you couldn't have one without the other sure he was loyal to oklahoma but he was also loyal to his you know people that he hired well it takes a special kind of stupid to sit around and talk negatively about a guy that basically i mean the history is going to show that bob stoops was you know, just as important as anybody to the University of Oklahoma, especially the football program. Well, and even in the way he left, I mean, sure. he, he could have stayed and played that out with Baker coming back. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, and, and he wanted Lincoln Riley to have it set up for success right away and to jumpstart recruiting. He goes into great detail in the book about, you know, why he did that, why he made the decisions that he did. So it's just a, 
we'll have a I'm going to do a write up. We'll have a it's just it comes out September 10th. Uh, and we'll have a pre-order link up when I put that article up. But yeah, I would say if if you're a subscriber to SoonerScoop.com, if you listen to this podcast, you want to read this book. It's only like 280 pages. It doesn't. But it to me, I love Bootlegger's Boy by Barry Switzer. I'm going to read that again. But it's it's very similar. It's like it, it shows you the very inner workings of who those guys are. There's three... Incidents like you got Bomar, Mixon, retirement. Which one did you learn the most about? Oh, I would say Mixon. It, there's more detail on that. I mean, the Bomar was pretty nuts and bolts. I mean, you could tell it was probably something he didn't want to go into. The Hypel thing, the firing of Hypel was really intriguing. What I took out of it most is I never realized how much Bob relished that that win over Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. To this day, he relishes the hell out of that win. And it's because of the fighting that he, that got started and all the criticism, the fine bomb, and, you know, the SEC, you know, ain't shit, basically. That's the other thing. Bob says shit a lot in his book. It's great. Can we get an audio version with I Bob, so. they need Bob to. saying that? They On Amazon, I looked the pre-order. It has a, an, an audio. Bob better be reading that stuff. Absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, I th- anybody that remembers, God, it seems like it was just yesterday, but six years ago now, uh, they had no business being on the same field as that Alabama team. By the way, uh, he devotes an entire chapter. And I talk about this with, with some of the older guys I'm on the radio with. Like As I get older, I get more emotional about things. He devotes an entire chapter to the, the children's hospital, and it is amazing. Well, I, I don't I mean, think truly that people, amazing. I don't think people realize how often he is. He was. I, I don't know if he still does it, and I think he does. I think you hear about it every once in a while, but I don't think people realize how much time he spends over there. I'm not. I'm not trying to like kiss his ass or anything. Yeah, but it's unbelievable. He is over there a lot more than like just because OU doesn't put out pictures doesn't mean he's not there. Well, and the reason he, the reasoning behind why he developed that relationship is a part of the book too uh and it has to do with his daughter and some things that she went through which was always kind of a big we didn't pry too much into that but it kind of unravels that whole thing too which is really cool so very cool that's gonna be a must read media days that is better than yeah it's gonna be a must read (laughs) (laughs) i okay so media days uh we were down in dallas uh we did i mean the great thing about media days is you have the breakout sessions so you spend get to spend a lot of time with uh you know lincoln riley and and the other players and uh eddie and i had a really interesting we dominated uh for a while in neville gallimore's podium with some really interesting stuff um okay so like jalen hurts wasn't there and this was something that i kind of tried to explain to people as as it went along but uh first off i just kind of asked lincoln riley like hey uh you're kind of missing a guy here, right? What's going on? Lincoln, I know that you, you want to... You, you understand events like this are generating attention for your team and your conference. Because of that, did you think at all about bringing Jalen, maybe just because you knew everybody wanted to talk to him? No, not really. I mean, I, I from a team leadership uh, standpoint, it would have made sense. Uh, but I just felt like, you know, one, you know, 
I, I, Jalen's in a quarterback battle, you know, and, and it's, he's really done a phenomenal job becoming a leader on this team in such a short amount of time. And I've got a tremendous respect for what he's accomplished in his career up to this point. But, um, you know, I just felt like some of the guys that had been here with us, uh, that had played for us here before, it was a little more appropriate. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was, he, he kind of shot it out. He's like, no, nah, I didn't really. I mean, to me, what I heard was, no, no, I didn't really think about bringing him. Are, are we supposed to be surprised by this? Yeah, that's not surprising when you look at, he didn't bring Kyler Murray last year. And he brought Trevor Knight the one year, you know, Baker well, here's was a the, starter. Here's my point in this whole thing. It's like, you get this, you get this thing where people in the media are like why is he being such a jerk just admit that, that Jalen Hurts is your starting quarterback and this is the media I'm not talking red yeah. fans like it's like you know he's lying to the public he's just, just tell the truth we know Jalen Hurts is your starting quarterback and that's the thing about it is like you know what I took from that answer is there's a process there's a process in becoming a starter not just a quarterback but any position and if you're a transfer think about it don't think about it as a quarterback think about it as uh, a, a, let's say a safety because that's more of an open position but if, if you're a, a highly thought of transfer as a safety and you're coming in there and you've just had a guy that's graduated that was an All-American and you have unproven people behind him you're initially going to think okay well that guy's going to end up being the starter I mean that just makes sense but you can't just bring that safety in and after 15 practices, when he doesn't really know your defense, have him automatically name the starter above a kid that spent two years learning the system that people think have promise, that, that had other offers and interests coming out of high school. Like, that looks bad. It, it makes everyone else on the team say, well, shit, he just gave him a job. I mean, yeah. when did we start giving jobs away? Because, I mean, I watched him in the spring and... I'm sure I know there were practices where Tanner Mordecai looked better than Jalen Hurts. I I know I believe that to be true, and 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 even in a scrimmage, I believe that to be true. So it's not like for 15 practices Tanner Mordecai looked like trash, and Jalen Hurts looked like an All American. I mean, you you can imagine Jalen Hurts probably struggled a little bit early, sure, trying to learn the system. He's probably thinking a little too much. He was running an offense he's never run before, so. You can't just because everyone knows deep down inside that he's the best choice, and at the end of the season he'll be a better quarterback. Uh, that he should be that. You can't do it that way. You have to go through the process. So not just the quarterbacks, but the safeties and the defensive backs and the linebackers and the running backs. Everybody understands these are competitions. You have to win them. You have to you have to win a job. It's not just handed to you. Well, if you want to put a true spin on it you could say like oh you fans should be happy that this is the way it plays out shouldn't they i mean at least lincoln riley's sticking to something they're sticking to a somewhat of a game plan on how he runs a team and that's in a way i think it's kind of commendable in, in today's time that he sticks to it and doesn't give in to the i guess the quote-unquote pressure that maybe the media would put on somebody it shows that he's so he's he's a little old school yeah, i mean sure. he, he he believes in the values that people like Bob Stoops believe in. Yeah. And we heard Jalen Hurts say that time and time again during the spring too, that nothing was promised to him. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, oh, that's lip, that's just lip service. He's going to be the starter. 
more, and you know what? more yeah. evidence toward that. CD Lamb thinks he's going to be the starter. I'm sure Jalen Hurts thinks he's going to be the starter. I mean, well, I, I've talked to Gabe about this. Like every guy that goes into practice or every guy that works out with a team, they have an idea, though, yeah. of who the guy's going to be. Yeah. Like there's not, there's no secret out there. Or at least I don't think there is. But then again, you know, it, it, it's not just about naming the starter, too. It's what if the unthinkable happens? What if Jalen Hurts oh, yeah. gets hurt? I mean, do you want Tanner Mordecai going through the entire fall camp, not being engaged, not, you know, right. trying to play and learn the system as much as he can? Or Spencer Rattler. Or Spencer Rattler. Do you see, I don't know if this is true. I saw something on the board this morning. Dan Patrick was talking about, like, he thinks Spencer Rattler is going to be the starter by the end of the season. Did you guys catch any of that? I've not, but I didn't know it's if, take season. I mean, oh, one hundred percent is, but that would be uh, that'd be incredible. I don't think there's anybody that told Dan Patrick that though. No, and it might just be more of a five star type thing. Like he might at the roster and he might. I mean, he might be friends with an Alabama. I, fan they were basically, that was I think, like, comparing it to Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence a year ago is how the discussion started. Uh, okay. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Almost like Jalen Hurst is just a placeholder f- until this guy gets ready is basically I think how the conversation started. I didn't listen to Lincoln it. would be a cold hearted bastard to do that to Jalen Hurts again. After he went through two of like Jalen Hurts would never be able to trust another man again if that happened to him. It I mean, the most shocking if, if for thing. it to happen, he would have to suck. Like really sure. suck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, suck or get hurt. Everyone would have to say like, you know, Jalen, this just didn't work out. Yeah. And this team is has probably have lost a lot of games and wouldn't even be in the Big 12 hunt. It, the whole thing is interesting. And then you have on the other side of it, you know, basically Lincoln Riley having to, and even Neville Gallimore to an extent, and Kenneth Murray's in the same boat, basically defending the idea of why this defense isn't going <laughs> to suck anymore. That was, uh, you know... But some- the, are we, aren't we at the point, even 45 days before kickoff, like there is nothing that can be said right now that is going to make a tackle or create a turnover or who knows what. They talk about turnovers being emphasized like crazy. It doesn't mean anything in July. Exactly. Let's go to the Lincoln Riley uh, defensive question parade as uh, we heard this weekend in Arlington. Uh, a lot of things do. Our, our old leadership and just kind of the I've seen those I've seen that group now you know for the last three or four years and uh I just I like where they're at mentally right now. I do. Uh, I think they're very bought in with with Alex, the new system, the new mentality. I like how they're leading. I just I think they've got that edge that they know this is their time. You know, you just I don't know, you just feel it kind of. Um, I really like our young talent. You know, it's still young. It's still got to develop. It's not anointed by any stretch of the imagination, but it's uh, there's some really exciting pieces. And then both Alex but really just how that entire defensive coaching staff has come together you know not a lot of people have talked about it but when you take you know some new guys some holdovers that don't always mesh you know we had to do the same thing at East Carolina and that even happened offensively when we came in here in 2015 you know Bill and and uh and uh Jay and Kale you know and then and then throw Dennis and I in the mix and then a couple years later throw Shane in the mix you know and that's that's got to work, and uh, I've been really happy with how how that's gone with our defensive staff so far. Now, there's yeah, there's one thing that I think we should celebrate this week, 
And that is... No Title IX investigations? Somehow, no. No. Somehow, the departure of Russell Westbrook is coinciding with the rise of Barry Trammell. <laughs> there's something poetic about that. I'm sure, there, the, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there Barry, that are, He's stupid. Barry Trammell showed up uh, Monday at Big 12 Media Days in one of the best-looking sport coats I've seen. I literally told him, I think you were sitting there, I was going to give him $300 for it. Uh, well, it was, it, he was so impressed by that, that he even mentioned your name on our morning show. All right. Oh, competition. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> That's uh, funny. And, uh, he said that your offer was nowhere near what he paid for that coat. I kind of thought that's what he meant when he told me where he bought it. Uh-huh. And it didn't register until it was like some, an hour like, later. Super haberdashery place, like in San Diego or something. Yes. You buy anything at Coronado, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't dawn on me until like an hour later. And I was like, ah, I think that's what he meant. So I wasn't trying to shortchange him. No, but, uh, between that and then this next question, which I thought won the day. I thought this question won the day with Lincoln Riley, that it was. To the point is what it's what everyone thought it was well executed. I hope this is the right sound bite. Uh, I'll just play it for you. Do you ever let yourself daydream, or that's the wrong word, but think about if your defense can play up to your standards and, and what you think is their potential? Do you ever think about how good of a football Absolutely. machine you would have? Yeah, no, that's the. That's the big picture vision. I mean, without a without a question. I mean, that's you know, it's not always going to marry up every single year like that. But there's no doubt that you know, you feel like you could put something like that together, and we feel like we're going to. That you know, we've been already been pretty tough to beat, but I think we'd be you know, it's going to be even even tougher. And uh, I feel like that's coming. Which I I mean, you know, there were going to be plenty of questions about the defense. There were. Uh, we played the clip earlier. They said, you know, what kind of expectations does he have for the defense? Um, and, you know, recruiting with Alex Grinch, I think, is something he feels really good about. Uh, and that was another thing that, that he talked about. Yeah, very, very much like he is as a coach. He's a hardworking recruiter. Uh, it's very, very important to him, very detailed. And I think he brings uh, – you know these players know who he is. They they know you know what he's accomplished and how highly he's he's thought of uh, within this profession. So you know we, we go prove it on the field. Uh, then it's already getting better, and I think we go prove it on the field. Then I think it'll the same thing will happen there as what's happened offensively in the last four years. You mentioned that. Now w- the other thing that was brought up was what Alex Grinch thinks about his defense. Um, and the quote that Sam I missed that Sam Speaks had uh, from Joshua Eaton that we ran in the uh, Bryson Washington commitment story, and uh, I don't think Lincoln was too happy that we had that quote. Uh, and actually, he um, denied that 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 was ever said to a recruit. Coach, uh, speaking of Coach Grinch, um, when he said there wasn't any NFL talent on the defense, how did the team take that? Well, he didn't say that, so they didn't really take it anyway. Okay. Yeah. Was it something similar to that, though? No, no. He had a conversation with a recruit that, like anything in this world, 
you say one thing and then he says one thing to a reporter and then a reporter doesn't have anything that's the only right. who writes it some way and that's that's what happened that's what you guys did <laughs> no, I, didn't, I didn't mean that um no he's I, I think very simply making a point that uh, everybody here is going to have a chance to come in and compete and it's not like we got a defense with a bunch of guys having jobs sewn up and and uh you want to come do it we're trying to bring in as much nfl talent as we possibly can and uh which is the truth you know so uh no it's alex has a big part of the reason he took this job because he, he he's smart enough to know you know that uh you know it, he knows what our expectations are and, and he's got the same expectations that's why it fit but you're not going to go take a job you don't think there's any players there trust me he had play, he had his pick so uh you know this is uh we got the players we want and we want to keep of course we want to keep getting them better like anybody else but that's uh that's about where it's at when he's talking to us i don't know if unfiltered is the right word but he's a straight shooter yeah. is that does that only work when your players know exactly where they stand i think so yeah i think so because if you're saying one thing to the media and you're not even telling the players that, then they they see through you pretty quick. So yeah, he's a he's very transparent. That's that's him. He's that way. He's that way in a staff room. He's that way with players, media. I mean, that's just he is who he is, which I, I think that's key. You got to be your own person. Now I don't know exactly what he was saying there about uh, reporters and sound like he said don't have anything better to do, or it was kind of jumbled up. It was, it was kinda, almost like he wanted to. Uh, it was definitely a double. It's almost like he wanted finger. to go full Moshu on it and fake news us. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, I'm going to quickly backstep from that. And basically by the end of the quote, I and mean, after you asked him, it's like, yeah, he might have said that somewhat. I, I think he said a version of that. Yeah. Sure. I mean, because I mean, Bob, you know this. I, I don't know how many times I have to say this. The guy wanted said he wanted to tattoo the number 129 on every one of his players. Because that was their past, you know, defense ranking last year. Like, yeah. And he also, he he also basically, you know, has said things similar to that. I mean, he, he has said on more than one occasion that there's no one that's locked up a job on this defense and any freshman can come in and take a job. Any, he said any walk-on could come in and take a job. And it, it, it could be phrased this way that based on how all of them have played, none of them have earned yeah. a right to be looked at the next level. Now, that's not saying that guys like Trey Brown, like Neville Gallimore, like Kenneth Murray couldn't put it together after this season and be considered in that scope of uh, conversation. But as of right now, based on what they have produced, none of them would deserve a second look there, there has to be a little bit too of a little prod oh yeah side. i mean it's yeah. a it's a yeah you're, you're not shit until you do something for me it's such a weird dynamic because you know mike stoops leaves here and everyone got so upset you know going back to that baylor game and julian wilson and the you know the screaming at him on the sideline and like oh how dare mike stoops do that but yeah, everyone had a problem with it because they hated Mike Stoops. Like, but now you've got Alex Rich. I'm telling you, he's just as intense as Mike Stoops ever was. And he's going to yell at players and he's going to be down on the field and he's going to get people say he might grab a face mask. I don't know. I mean, but if people like his system, they'll blame it more on the players. What they hate about that Baylor game, of course, they played so far off yeah. and nothing changed. And then Mike Stoops was yelling at the well, players. There's a lot of things that have happened well, yeah, but, in the last six years. So, that it's like, God damn it. Like <laughs> if I was a coach, why wouldn't you 
fix this. Exactly. I so think I've had my own meltdowns if, before. If you see Grinch is adapting and adjusting and trying to actually implement what he's looking to do, he just doesn't have the players, then I think the, the fault's going to be, oh, wait a minute, none of these players we brought in were actually worth a damn. The thing is, look, he, Grinch is intense. He's he's demanding. He's straightforward. He, he, he tells you what's on his mind. Uh, he is not there to sugarcoat anything, and he doesn't. And he's trying to set a tone, set an attitude with the defense, and that's what he was brought in to do was to not change the attitude, but just just be a different voice. And I, I can see that talking with Kenneth Murray. It sounded like he's been told the last couple of years, you know, maybe a little bit what he's doing wrong, but so much of what he's doing right and the, the potential that he still has. When he was talking about what Grinch and Odom had brought to the table, constructive criticism was like the number one thing. He's like, I'm, I'm hearing it a heck there, of a lot more. He's not getting more. babied. I, I thought yes. it was interesting just as far as kind of what you asked him, Bob, about uh, him, if he had talked to Tim Kish. And I mean, they had a really good relationship, obviously, when he was at Oklahoma. And uh, it was just kind of interesting. It was almost kind of like, I love Coach Kish, but I'm being coached now. Is basically well, and you know what? If it, you read between the lines, what he was saying. Uh, it, what I kind of think that could have been going on there too is Kish knew that Mike was insane uh, on the field. I'm saying, and maybe he was hit. He was always the good cop to Mike's yeah. bad cop. No, I think he was. I think there was a lot of that. And because of that, the linebacker position wasn't coached as hard as other yeah. positions. Well, there's only one good cop on that defense right now. I, if if I had to guess. Yes, Ruffin. He's, he's he's not the new the new guy, and <laughs> they don't give him a whole lot of players to coach. No, he coaches a position that really isn't even on the team. Right. It it's just I don't know. I, I'm as excited as anybody else to see what this thing's going to look like, and I think it's going to be. I mean, when do when do we make the transition into talking about the Eric King and what Houston brings to a to an offense. I mean, I, it's going to be interesting. I think that that's a, it's not the easy opener that you want, but it's something that I think that, you know, looking back on it, if you win the game and get away out of there without injuries, it's going to be something that they will go back and say, this prepared us for the big 12. By the way, you mentioned Kenneth Murray. Uh, Lincoln Riley was asked what his expectations are of Kenneth Murray this year. They're high. You know, it's uh, it's been a cool journey with him, you know, basically starting as a true freshman because he had to you know he certainly would have played but I mean having to play the amount of snaps he did um, a little bit out of position honestly that first year last year much more settled in um, really had a strong year for us but I think there's very much a sense around our program and, and from Kenneth individually that we all know he can play a lot better and uh, that's exciting and uh Especially when the type of you have the type of kid that you do with him, as far as a guy that loves the game, uh, takes working uh, at his craft very, very seriously, um, extremely dedicated to it, and uh, so you just know that 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 progress is going to continue to come. And then I'm excited to see his skill set uh, with what Coach Grinch uh, and his staff are, are implementing, uh, because I think it's going to be a great uh, a great fit. And then the the one other thing on defense I want to talk about before we we move on is you guys mentioned you know NFL talent Neville Gallimore was one of the names that you brought up. Is there anyone that has even in the last two weeks that more people's eyes have been opened about what they have in Neville Gallimore if they saw like Benny Wiley's Insta stories? Sure, 
it, knowing that Bruce Feldman ranked him as the number two uh, player on his freaks it's a little surprising. List. And then I you find out top, he, top, he, he runs a four seven six forty. Yeah. Like there is so, like I was I didn't know some of that stuff. Like I was so shocked. Like it, you know, and he's lost so much weight. I mean. Uh, he slimmed down. Like, he legitimately has the skill set of a Tommy Harris, Gerald McCoy. His thing is... At all of her freshman year? At least to me. Maybe not there yet. Yeah, I mean, the, the, he's an elite of the elite well, in yeah. terms you, of you athletic. His, yeah. his last couple of years is when he gets hurt, he falls off. Yeah. He doesn't play well hurt. He has never been consistent. So he has to be 100%. Because you see that in the beginning of each season. He looks dominant. And he kind of tails off as he wears down, and he never gets back to 100%. Now, he's told me this is the lightest he's been since being a junior in high school. So we'll, we'll see, see if that makes any sort of difference. But when he's healthy, he's incredible. He's got to learn to be able to handle the, the grind the entire season instead of sort of fading away. It's a, it's just a little bit different, and I guess just because I, I go through every, you know, every clip that I have down the, from the field and – got to label him and go through all that jazz during the summer. And it just, it seems like he had, I always find myself looking back and thinking, God, he made a lot of plays, but it's just, it's so inconsistent. And I think that that's probably, you know, obviously he goes into, you know, a year that's going to be a make or break year for him at OU. And I think that it's, it's just interesting to, to think if they could get a guy that, that contributes and, uh, could be consistent, the type of guy that I think a lot of people think Neville Gallimore could be. What a what a major addition that would be for whoever's the defense coordinator. The well, let me play you this with Lincoln Riley real quick, uh, and then um, I had one more thing I wanted to add on Neville. Yeah, just the explosiveness he plays with. He's very very difficult to single block. I mean, even. Even for our really good players last year, he's a he's a difficult matchup. And anybody knows, you start having a guy in there, you got a double team. You know, kind of like the the cat we played against Alabama last year. I mean, that was such a factor in the game. Was us having to double team him so much. I mean, it just I, I think I mean the guy had I think one or two tackles in the game, and he totally changed the game. I mean, I. A great interior defensive lineman does that. They don't necessarily always have the impact of their game measured in the stats. Um, but Neville's, he's extremely explosive, and he's learning to do that more consistently. He's learning to do that against different styles, different blocking schemes, different techniques. And uh, so it's, he's just kind of that real talented player that's starting to really become a complete football player, and we're pretty excited about that. Uh, you know, the, the thing about, Neville Gallimore is what we talked about. And people get, this is kind of one of my big pet peeves about like off-season talk. It, and it's like, I think someone even asked Lincoln, like, and it was, I think it was a local yard bird. But they're like, uh, Lincoln, you know, moving to one gap skiing, how much is that going to help Neville Gallimore? Like, stop it with that shit. Like you've been doing that shit forever. It's a, well, he's they're in too much of a read and react defense. You know they need to play, you know, one technique instead of zero technique. And it's like people think that that makes them Vince Lombardi to talk about gaps and schemes with defensive linemen. And people have been bitching and moaning about gaps and schemes for the last five six years on a defensive line. How many goddamn defensive linemen has OU put in the in the NFL? I mean, in that time, like 
No, when you have Tommy Harris, you have Dusty Dvorak, you have Gerald McCoy, you have Jordan Phillips, those, I'm sorry, those fucking guys are going to go play in the NFL. They were dudes. No matter what what scheme or what, what gap they were playing in, whether they read, react, whether, I mean, you don't think stop it, it with that bullshit. You don't think it mattered how many gaps Charles Walker was covering? Neville Gallimore, I like that, Neville Gallimore has been inconsistent as a player. No matter, He's been a guy that hasn't been able to play through injury. People have questioned his toughness. People have questioned his commitment. He, he is he's from Canada. I mean, it's like, you know, it's it's like, is this racist? No, that's nationalist. I mean, <laughs> it's it is a nationality thing. It's not a it's not an ethnicity thing. But people see people from Canada and they think they're soft because they're from Canada. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. Nice, Bob. That was a good one. Very good. So, I mean, look, Neville Gallimore is going to be really good if he matures mentally. He's got a ton of athletic ability, a ton more than I thought that he did. So stop it with this, you know, oh, he's in a better scheme this year. No matter what happens, it has nothing to do, has, has very little to do with the scheme versus his mental toughness, his mentality, how he plays the game. All that. I mean, that's a much bigger factor for him. Well said. Soapbox number two. Well said. <laughs> no, I, I think that there's a lot to that, though. I really do. Okay. Uh, another, I think, key thing that had to be addressed at Big 12 Media Days, uh, besides the the who the starting quarterback is, is how Lincoln is going to handle Spencer Rattler uh, coming in as a true freshman. Lincoln, is there a different approach you have to have when you have a, I don't know, a highly touted uh, young quarterback coming in that hasn't played at the college level? Is there, you have to manage his expectations a little bit more? I mean, is it just different in a way, maybe? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you know, we've had good players in that room before that weren't necessarily the starter. Um, and so I think you just got to keep them focused on getting better and getting as good as they can get, you know, because each player, that's, at the end of the day, that's what they want. I mean, they want to, they want to get as good as they possibly can. And then, you know, then it's their, their confidence and their abilities that if they get to that point, they're, somebody's going to have a hard time beating them out. And uh, so you, you go recruit a guy that you think has that much ability. You have that, you believe in them. They believe in themselves that much. And then it's just a race to see how, how quickly you can get them good. And uh, so I think the try to keep the focus on the race. And and then there's been a good example in our room of for anybody that, that uh, you know, some some good patience in that room has tended to be pretty well rewarded. And this is, other than Chris Robinson, going to be Lincoln's, you know, superstar high school recruit. Oh, if you want to, I mean, if you Chris really want to go down that road, you can, you can say that he kind of needs to hit on Spencer Rattler, right? I mean, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a bust well, or anything. the 2020 situation, yes. Yeah, I mean, it. there's... And you need him not to do anything stupid. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Which, I mean, he doesn't exactly have a clean record sure, coming in. Sure, And I'm not judging the kid, but that's no. that's the truth. No, that's the facts of the case. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. Still really pumped about QB1 and when it's going to come out. <laughs> I haven't seen anything as thing. far as uh, like a release date or anything. I know. Uh, next, uh, Did Last Chance You come out? No, I don't no. think so. Like, it's getting it ready should to be. Though. I would think in the next, next two weeks. Okay. Maybe even three weeks so is our pod making qb1 
I hope so. I, I don't know. It's no, oh. it's it's. They, I never I never heard back from them, and I didn't want to be like. So did we make the cut? <laughs> like I don't want to be that guy. We'll just watch it and find out, I guess. But we signed the release that what? they sent us. I hope so. I hope it's something really negative too. Like the Spencer Rattler will, will refuse to talk to any representatives of Sooner Scoop for the rest of his career. That'd be really funny. We could make a peace offering. I mean, I I remember going back. I mean, they're not going to put our typical, you know, stuff in there. Our really crass stuff because they'd look bad. Never know. I don't think we said anything that crass. I don't think so either. Treated the kid pretty good. Um, But yeah, I mean... You need him to be happy. You need him to develop. Uh, I'm sure he thinks he's going to come in here and win the starting job. But you have to think like he stood up next to Jalen Hurts and just been like, yeah, I don't look like this guy. As much as Rattler be a little put on weight like crazy in the spring, he still does It's not Jalen Hurts' it's weight. It's not Jalen yeah. Hurts. It's not elite college football quarterback level weight just yet. Bet he wears the OU gear, though. Oh, who doesn't? Jalen Hurts. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, they had a see video the out today about him meeting a kid, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he would have OU. He had a Houston Texans shirt on. Really? He yes. said Texans. He said Astros. He's, he's representing Houston. He had man. Bills the day we were out. Maybe he's, uh, he's going to throw the first game of the year for the University of Houston. And then transfer. That'd be gold. Transfer to one double A. Transfer back to Alabama just as a student, start his coaching career, <laughs> just like his dad. So, yeah, I mean, it's look, it's I think it's one of those things with a freshman. You don't know what his, you know, his expectations are. I would imagine once by he gets out there practicing by I, September 7th, you're going to have an idea. He's going to play against South Dakota. Right. I mean, the, I think the, the worst scenario would be if he goes out there right away, picks everything up and looks amazing. Like then you're like, and he's shit. like really, really good. Yeah. You're like, shit, what do I do now? Well, I mean, that's Tanner Moore. I stops sort of even what, showing up for games. He's just like, I, I got nothing guys. I got, by nothing. the way, can I tell you this, that Tan, I, when I was standing with Lincoln Riley, there were four Tanner Mordecai questions. That's not bad. I will say that's, there was two. I think there was two. Uh, I think there were TV five stations total, from Waco, Waco, though. So it. Well, that's what it was. It was like they wanted to know about uh, Tanner Mordecai and Jaqueline and Crawford and Parish Cobb and Lincoln <laughs> Riley was like, oh, you'll have to ask uh, Waco. What is that? McClellan TV. County uh, Detention the Center. Warden. I heard he has made a really strong push, though, to start on the uh, intramural team. In Prisoners the, versus guards. In Stephenville. <laughs> It'd be Huntsville. They'd oh, no, Huntsville. Take That's him right. down to Huntsville. That's right. Huntsville. I don't know if he is in prison. He might be. Yeah, he's going to federal pound me in the ass prison. He's not, he's not getting a halfway house. I mean, he's... Didn't he got, get caught rob robbing in Norman too? Yeah, it was multiple. Yes. Yeah, felony and multiple state felonies. Something to aspire to, kids. Ooh, I hope he doesn't get out now that I said that he's going to federal family in the ass prison. Put some new locks on this house. <laughs> he already knows how to break into things down here. 
Oh my God, LJ Moore and Paris Scott are gonna perf- <laughs> are gonna now make a super team to just murder us. I mean, I'd be like, yeah, you can rob me, but at least give me some meth and around with the girl, you know. There have been some spectacular flameouts in the secondary here. Lately. No, there have been. They need to. Uh, I mean, it, it it can't get any worse though. I and I I feel like I've said that the last couple of years about OU defensively, but. It can't get any worse. I, I I refuse to believe it can get any worse than it was a year ago. And they still made a college football final. Would I mean, you a like, playoff. Would you like the dumbest uh, question from a UT perspective to Lincoln Riley this this week? It's just going to trigger me, but I've been go ahead. very scared to click it. You sent it. I have not clicked it yet. You haven't looked at I, it? I did not want to. I, I titled like, no. it Lincoln bad <laughs> <Yep>. UT question. <laughs> It's, it, it was someone that was looking for a clickbait article, like, really hard. Coach, uh, were you ever, you or your representatives, were you ever contacted when you were in East Carolina by Texas? No. Would you, would you have had any interest at that time in the Texas job <laughs> if you had been contacted? You get to I better decline that one. Yeah, uh, that, was a, that was a slippery slope for yeah, me, brother. No, that's fine. Uh, so, you know, just as an offensive mind. Can you call him Bubba? <laughs> Do you call him Bubba? I don't know. <laughs> but let me ask if, you this: If you get called did Bubba miss? in a, if you get called Bubba in an interview session, that's worse than being called Chief. Did I miss like some? Is was there some rumor out there floating around that Texas tried to hire Lincoln while he was at ECU, but they didn't? Like, what kind of dark web is this guy hanging out on? What kind of dark web UT message board form is this? Like. Horns, hornfans.nz or something like. I just don't know what what that is. This like a message board that's actually on a uh, what do they call those um, movie servers? Give me all the thought though of somebody out there trying to write an article that says this is why Texas should have hired Lincoln Riley. I I only I imagine that guy writing like fan fiction. Like alternate universe, like multiverse, the UT multiverse. Like, is Charlie Strong ever the coach in his <laughs> fanfic? In this fanfic, what if what if Texas had gone to ECU and hired Lincoln Riley? Like, my God, he rolled with. He was like, okay. I don't know where that guy. Okay. I wish I knew where that guy was from that asked that question. I don't know if. Okay, was that worse? Was that the guest of Charles Whitman? Was that worse or was it excited guy asking loud questions about Baker Mayfield's wedding? I'll let you decide. Hey, so coach, should you go to Baker's big wedding over the weekend? Yeah, yeah, we get to go out there. Yeah, have a good time. How was it? It was good. It was good. Yeah, good, fun moment. Fun to be able to share that with them. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you, what'd you get it for a wedding present? <laughs> Somebody asked me that earlier randomly. I don't know. My wife got it, I'm sure. I don't have any idea. I got him a, a hug and a good picture at the uh, at the wedding. So, And I, I helped him win a Heisman, so that was my wedding present. So, Actually, he did about 99% of it. But, uh, no, it was good. It was fun to, fun to, you know, the life experience of those guys, not just what we do on the field with them. So fun to be a part of that. Is it just me, or does that sound like Dale Gribble from, Hank, from uh, King of the Hill? The guy asking the question. Hey, so coach, should you go to Baker's big wedding over the weekend? Maybe a little bit. I can just envision this old asking that question, though. <laughs> Jesus. That's Christ. definitely an old guy. Oh, my God. Nobody cares about what you're going to write in the Abilene whatever. I'm just making up a name. 
don't know. You know the Russians have that guy's dick pics. Probably. You probably already did the old time face thing. Yeah. Now they got all your information. Just the worst. It really is the See, worst. See, like you're getting triggered. <laughs> like, that's funny. Like, I'm here for this. Like, it was an hour and a half, Eddie. Like, what What do you want? It, like, we got a lot of really good stuff. You know what we did get that we didn't release immediately just because we knew it would trigger Blaine Brown? <laughs> hey, Blaine. How you doing, man? Was uh, Lincoln Riley's kicker ass- assessment of the kicker situation? Yeah, shockingly, it took like five and a half hours for me to be asked that question. That's one of the bigger ones there is for our team right now. I mean, Austin Seibert was phenomenal for us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be more by committee this year. You know, we won't have one guy doing it all. Uh, but, uh, you know, Gabe Burkich, Callum Sutherland, you know, the two guys really looking at it, the place kicking and the kickoff position. And then Reese Munchau is really, I think, kind of certainly got the inside track on the punting job. He had a phenomenal spring. Has really taken some big strides. We thought he was really a talented kid coming out, and he's started to show that. So, But, you know, they, these guys don't have the game experience that Austin had, and they're going to have to go prove it. We're, we're confident. We like the group, but you've had such a security blanket there with Austin for the last several years that, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're excited to see these guys kind of have their opportunity and take it. Oh, man, that was uh, solid. Solid journalism there. Not like this. Hey, so coach, should you go to Baker's big wedding over the weekend? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which one is dumber? Kickers on July 15th? Or did you go to Baker's big wedding over the weekend? What'd you get him? I don't know. Probably probably the wedding question because it's none of his damn business. <laughs> First off, how it should start. They're, Baker's a public figure. That, That's more that than thing reasonable. That's about as private that. as you can get. I almost wonder if they told people not to tweet pictures and stuff. Did you like the Switzer story at least? Switzer story was solid. That was a that's an all timer. Here it is. So we get to the restaurant. We're having a great dinner. You know, I'm laughing. He's telling stories. We're talking, talking about you know we had great mutual connection and Donnie and talking about OU and it, so it starts to get pretty late and. You know, he's got a, we got a bottle of wine open there, and we're, I think it's some of his wine, actually. And, uh, you know, so we're moving through that, and uh, it gets to be like 10 o'clock. I finally said, Coach, man, I, I, this is awesome. I can't believe this, but I got to go. Like, I have a 5.30 workout tomorrow. It's my first, like, official team deal at OU. You know, like, I got to, he's like, it's like 5.30. He's, he grabs his phone out, calls Bob, starts ripping Bob for having. He's like, "Why are you having a 5:30 a.m. workout?" Well, he ain't gonna be there. That's what he tells me. Oh, well, thanks, Chris. He's got me fired. I ain't even been through one workout yet. So <laughs> it was the best. So now we've had a great relationship. He's it's been fun to get to know him. He's been very open, uh, accessible for me, and uh, yeah, he's been awesome. Did you make the workout? Oh yeah, I made it. Yeah, I made it. I was a little, I was a little foggy, but I was there. Where were you? Switzer getting people drunk. Pretty good. That That's an all-time Barry Switzer story. That was pretty good. Uh, so, I mean, outside of Lincoln, like day two, you guys booked it back after Eddie had another TV appearance, famous Eddie. Everybody wanted to talk. You actually preceded day two. Talking horns for pe- horns up for peace with... Uh, Knew exactly what was who going on. Who would have known? But day two... Becomes all about the horns down. 
like that is so I can't weak believe sauce. that we're, it's it's 2019 and we're talking about this I just it is wild to me that this is that that is a storyline out of Big 12 Media Day. And the major storyline. It's No, it's the number one storyline. It's because it's, it's being enabled by the media, which I find troubling. But I mean... But there's people out there that think like it's a big deal. Like there are people out there that think that like OU should players shouldn't be able to do it. Like if, if Lincoln Riley did wear a beat Texas hat like Barry Switzer once did... Would Tom Herman demand a penalty flag be thrown? And I mean, there's people out there that think that this is part of like, like, oh, Texas is just in these people's heads. No, they're not. They're just soft. It's f***ing stupid that we're we're sitting here talking about this. And not that we're talking about it, but that it's just even I mean, they spent a, a whole day to, like, you're mad at the freaking, you know, stupid question people for Lincoln Riley, but that's even worse. That's what I said when I got here. I'm glad we weren't there Tuesday. I would have went nuts if that line of questioning kept coming up. It's just crazy to me. It is crazy to me that this is where we are in society, that you can't, you can't do a hand gesture. Like, <laughs> uh, something that... I mean, God forbid. So can I just can I just God throw forbid this out there? these kids live in a world where the R word is used, and the R word being rivalry. Okay, so for people that maybe haven't caught on, for people that kind of got it from the beginning, can you explain the mission of Horns Up for Peace? To highlight how fucking stupid the people in Austin are. Like, get over yourself. I think some people just wanted to hear that from you. Like, that you're making fun of people in Austin. It's it's Because I think some people, like, they didn't understand it. Like, there are a lot of people that don't quite yeah, get yeah, it. They don't that's get just, it. That's just funny to me. Like, I, I'm i not going to explain it to anybody. You speak Eddie. I mean, there's a language that, like, we kind of understand it because we're used to it but some i mean some people are incapable of speaking eddie i mean how dumb do you have to be to not get what's going on i mean if you watch the video four out of five children are affected by it i mean it's not childhood cancer come on it's just so ridiculous that that's where we are if we get if we could get well let me get into that but we need to get like a Sally Struthers campaign going too. I don't know what that is. Where like children are yeah, kicked for, out of their homes for, for just, showing the horns down uh, sign and twenty five cents you a feed day. These twenty five cents a day children feed them that have been kicked out of their, you know, Texas Longhorn homes. We could probably do something like that. It might be an idea here moving forward. We need just a a staff of volunteers willing to carry out our ridiculous. I was going to I was going to tape I, a thing yesterday like with a like a victim impact panel type thing <laughs> and then I decided like I don't know that just seems so in this time yeah with things going on right now I mean the the bad thing is you do that you take it that far and some real tragedy happens and then yeah. you just look kind of exactly. stupid it's kind of like writing a blog about a missing girl and then she ends yes. up dead and 5 hours later yeah. <laughs> you get fired from Barstool but yeah I mean it just it it never ceases to amaze me the amount of stupid that's out there on Twitter. And believe me, I'm I'm right in the middle of it. It's getting dumber. I like every being day in the too. mud, but God, there are some just which reminds me, I need to tweet some people. <laughs> yeah, what? we've had some interesting reactions just 
Well, I, even on the sooner, you know what page. it is, right? All these olds are funneling in from Facebook. Oh, I've been telling you that forever. It's just somebody's got to put a stop to it. I mean, pretty soon those grandkids grow up, and you're sick of seeing them. You're like, I need something better to do. No kidding. Because I'm tired of getting my Tom Herman sucking on a pacifier meme three days late. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Have you seen that one? Yes. <laughs> that is There's stuff that gets funneled through uh, Facebook that it's like, oh, that was pretty funny when it was on Twitter six months ago. Yeah. Now it's not. Some people aren't that social. I guess not. Okay, so, I mean, day two was just ridiculous. And all that, we played the Tom Herman thing at the beginning where he got distracted because they were showing the one-handed Grant Calcaterra catch on the Jumbotron. But, I mean, outside of that, you know, what really stood out to you guys? I mean, if, if there's one thing that stood out to you guys about non-OU, non-Texas stuff. Les Miles looks like he, he sounds like he had a stroke or something. I don't want to say it like that, but it, he's a step slower. He's not the quick-witted, you know, fun less of, of old. I use it, kind it of just, the same analogy. I said, it, I hate saying that, and, just, you know, I'm, I'm not trying, trying to make light of this, but he does, you know, his speech patterns just kind of suggest like, you know, something, he had some kind of an episode or something. And then when you add in the thing with Puka Williams, you knew would be uncomfortable to begin with. And then it just was even worse because of the way he was answering the questions. It took so long for him to formulate his thoughts. So it just, it was just a bad first impression for someone that you thought would probably knock it out of the park. Cause he's done these so many times in the past. Never that well though. Even when he was, you know, I don't. Know, I I just kind of came character. out. Of, he didn't yeah. feel like a care. He didn't feel like a, a character. He I just felt like a prisoner almost. I kind of came out of that. Les Miles, as soon as he walked off the podium, and kind of just started making his way around. Like I thought to myself, "Wow, he's really just doing this to do something." Like he's not. I don't expect him to do anything to improve Kansas's product. Like, whatever they have now, the the best he can make that team now is the best they're going to be. I don't even know if you can. I mean, it's kind of a lost cause. Well, they're going to build. I mean, they're trying to raise a whole bunch of money to actually, you know, build a decent-looking stadium. Yeah, I don't know. I th- it would just be so shocking if he was really that inept and Jeff Long made that hire. I think a lot of people have a lot of respect for Jeff Long. Sure. It just feels like a money grab to me for less. Or just getting his name back out there so maybe he can move on to something I don't else. even think he, he cares about moving on. He's just done. He yeah. just wants something to do, though. He just wants something to do. Well, I feel bad for Kansas if that's the case. I think they've got a, a absentee head coach. I really do. Other than that, I know a lot of people were impressed with Matt Wells. Yeah. Neil Brown had some people that you know told me that they thought he was really impressive. It's funny you sit there and you listen to all these coaches talk and it's like, oh, they might be pretty good this year. And then first week of the season, they'll be getting beat at halftime by Marshall or, you know, whoever. All it does is show you that all those guys are really good at being interviewed. Sure. Sure. Like Matt Campbell, really good at being interviewed, but he actually is a good coach. Yeah. No, he is. Tom, I would imagine. I don't see Tom Herman as a guy that really wins the interview. 
You still unless want you just like still awkward arrogance. Yeah. If that's your cup of tea, like he might be the most awkwardly arrogant person I've ever seen. It, it's it's funny that like he says things, and it could come out of Matt Campbell's voice, and he could say the exact same thing, and you'd say, hmm, "All right, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. Tom Herman starts saying it, and you immediately think asshole. <laughs> like this guy, what what's he? What's this crook up to right now? Yeah, his delivery is just not, it's not sincere, no matter what he says. He could tell you he just donated a million dollars to children's cancer research. You'd be like, man, what a douchebag. Well, I'd look up at the sky first and think the sky's falling because I know he wouldn't ever do anything like that. I can't really say. He might be, I don't know, he probably needs some more years to build up that portfolio probably but yeah if you're going to strip clubs with zach smith you're probably not doing that probably not hanging out at children's hospitals <laughs> just put it that way okay um so it's kind of a wrap on big 12 media days uh got to spend a lot of time with lincoln riley um yes i know the face app for creed humphrey it just confirms what everyone says already so we're just gonna I'm, I'm acknowledging it, and we're moving on. Outside of that, uh, you know, bar, Champ U Barbecue coming up when, Bob? Next weekend. Oof. So Josh couldn't join us uh, today. That's really my fault. Technical issues. We've reset the network and couldn't get him uh, hooked in from Houston. So we will get that fixed for next week because we'll have to have Josh. We'll have a kind of recruiting spectacular coming up next week as well. So... Uh, Bob, get ready. Get that voice ready. Get oh, that. Yeah. Get that kid to sleep a little bit more. I mean, they got a lot of got three twenty twenty one in state offers showing up between Ethan Downs and Kendall Daniels, and you just sort of wondering AJ Green if those that dominoes start the fall. I don't know what's going to happen so much in terms of twenty twenty. I think that might be something. Don't get your hopes too high. But 2021, there could be some some moves being made. I got to think, starting this weekend, OU's probably going to ramp up their social presence quite a bit. And the dead period throughout will, this week, the dead period will be over. So yeah. now you'll be able to go back doing what they usually do. And but I would imagine yeah. they're going to try and build some excitement, you know, going into the start of fall camp and everything like you that. You know, what's weird is if for the spring game, you remember they had Austin Stogner and Theo Weiss like talking about committing yes and uh-huh. i wonder if they do that because they've got guys they've got people like kenneth murray like jalen redmond like patrick fields who weren't commits at the time but then went to the barbecue and if they didn't commit right then and there they committed a little bit after so i wonder if they do something like that and they've been doing a lot of photo shoots with current players too so you wonder if maybe they don't do something with the freshmen you know the young guys and throw it out there we kind of interesting. I would imagine they do. I, this is usually the time of year they're shooting the pregame intro, the, um, you know, everything that you basically see throughout the season as far as graphics is being done right now. Well, we have seen a, a Jalen Hurts alone surrounded by cheerleaders, I think, intro being shot. I did see that, yeah. I don't think I saw a Tanner Mordecai one. Well, I mean, we'll play the game if they want, but we know what's happening. <laughs> Nobody's playing a game. That's the thing. It's like nobody's nobody's like, oh, hold up, give Tanner Mordecai a chance. Nobody's doing that. No, I'm just saying 
let's not turn it into, you know, the man is trying to keep us down by not telling us what's really going on. That's not what's going on. They're just going through the process of naming a starting quarterback. If you're doing that, you need to get your mouse out. You need to hit the corner uh, to me, that's of your more computer the, to me, that's and more stop in the watching media. Alex Jones. No, to me, that's more people in the media, and I don't understand it. It's like, do you cover football? Do you the, understand the, how the things work? The only thing I get is if you're a national writer, this might be the only time you see the Sooners for yeah. a long time. Get and on if, a plan and come to Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, if you, if, I mean, you, if you really need the a, story. A lot of those people are not going to do that. So they needed this Monday in Arlington to be the day they get everything they need for Jalen Hurts pieces, features, heading into the season. And Lincoln didn't give them that. So they're going to gripe about it. Shit. If you're a national writer, you'll be able to get them on the phone anytime you want. So, Well, if you're for ESPN. There's no doubt about that. Well, that's how it works. Can you pay the big money? See that small little opening closing to the local media. Okay, it's gone now. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, being a part of it. And uh, we'll be back again next week. It'll be the big preview show for the uh, Champion Barbecue. Uh, Bob, try and get some sleep. I'm trying. I'm is failing. It, is it getting any better? This week threw another curve, so no. But I, I feel like if we can get over this hump, then maybe start get into a pattern. I did get a pro projectile spin on this week, nice. and I did get peed on twice. Nice. So that was like during change, <laughs> just you get peed on. Actually, well, one of them was the second one was because of the diaper rash. We aired her out, and oh, she okay. just let it flow all over my shirt yesterday. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, and I don't even have an infant. <laughs> All right. On that end, uh, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening, uh, and we will be back for more uh, coming up next week right here on the Unofficial 40 from SoonersGroup.com Podcasts.